0: Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck
1: Fields. Hello, thanks for joining me today for your online coffee break. I'm so pleased to announce that we have been selected as a top 10 finalist for the 2020 People's Choice Podcast Awards in the entertainment category. So thank you so much for our listeners out there who voted. We certainly appreciate it. I also want to encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already. We've got some amazing great guests coming up, including, of course, today's episode with Kate Pearson of the B-52s. But we also have, in the next few weeks, Jesse Colin Young of the Youngbloods, fee waybill of the tubes and of course some exciting space themed episodes as well so please make sure you subscribe and pass this along to your friends now on to today's exciting guest kate pearson of the b-52s now of course the b-52s one of my favorite bands they're known as the world's greatest party band they have had some amazing groundbreaking hits like these and some chart-topping hits like these. If you want to, now band member Kate Pearson has been there since the band formed in Athens, Georgia in 1976. Kate joins us today to talk about the B-52s Who've been together for over forty years and sold more than twenty million albums. Online coffee break. Good morning, Chuck. Kate, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh in my pandemic paradise.
1: <laughs> Your pandemic? There is such a thing as a pandemic paradise? I can't imagine that.
0: I mean, I've been quarantining. It's this really amazing thing that happened to me i haven't shopped since march
1: no shopping since uh, march that's a record well the
0: things we shop for bleach oh you know, yeah. <laughs> composter we get really excited all oh, the composters coming in ups <laughs> is bringing you know fedex is bringing more bleach
1: you get all the basics taken care of you don't you know you don't worry as much you know certainly don't stress out as much
0: well i remember the uh, at the turn of the millennium was, was that called
1: Y2K? I- y two K, am Y Y two K was a big, crazy software worry that everyone had. But yeah, turn of the millennium.
0: Yeah, yeah, turn of the millennium. That whole thing that the grid was going, you know, it was going down. And I saw a um, NASA a video from NASA, which I thought was from NASA, and it was really, really scared me. And it inspired a song that was on my first solo record called "The End Is Near." Oh yeah, um, solar storms. Uh, Anyway, it's about solar storms and things happening and the grids going... Just general disaster, <laughs> which the B-52s are very well versed in disaster songs and space songs.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing that's funny, it's funny that you brought up the eternal millennium because I, I want to share a short short story with you that reminds me of the B-52s. Uh, it was New Year's Eve for 1990, and in my hometown, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we were at this great big block party outside, and right as the clock struck midnight... The first song they played was Love Shack. So this whole group of, you know, thousand people were all dancing. And one of my friends turned to us and said, we'll never forget that the first song we heard in 1990 is Love Shack. And I've never forgotten 30 wow. years later. And, you know, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of the B-52s. I mean, you're definitely the world's greatest party band. You know, I picture, you know, hundreds of people just dancing to your music. And I just want to say on behalf of all of us and all your fans around the world, thank you for your awesome music.
0: Oh, well, you're welcome, and thank you for listening and enjoying it. <laughs>
1: it's always a fun experience. Where would we
0: be without people enjoying it?
1: That is so true. I wondered if we could take a step back, though, because I, I, I know this is going way back, but I understand you're all from Athens, Georgia, and the B-52s formed on October night in 1976. I was wondering if you could just briefly tell us, you know, how did the band come together?
0: Well, first of all, Fred and I are from New Jersey, so okay. we both got down to Athens, Georgia in a uh, well, Fred went down to go to the uni- University of Georgia to study forestry until he realized uh-huh. that forestry was like more like forest management and how to cut down trees to encourage wildlife, you know, so people can hunt. I don't yeah. know, whatever, he just dropped out. And I met him who was working at the vegetarian restaurant. And, uh-huh. and I came down there after touring Europe, after college. Um, I hitchhiked all around Europe, and I came back and did a back to the land thing in Athens. That so awesome. we came back together one night. and We hung out as sort of bohemian group of friends. There were <laughs> a lot of art students in Athens. It was an art school, but none of us were really connected with the university mm-hmm. at the at the time. So we were just the Deadbeat Club, what we called ourselves, the Deadbeat Club, because we <laughs> hung out and crashed parties and free alcohol. So we'd crash these parties and have our own parties and just generally. Have fun together. We crash into this, this disco, and we were disruptors. And we'd go to the <laughs> disco and dance really crazy. So everyone just cleared off the dance floor when we started dancing. And awesome. <laughs> So one night we were just we, we didn't have any money, so we went to the Hunan restaurant, and we didn't have money for food. The Chinese restaurant in Athens, and uh, we ordered the flaming volcano. How many people were there? Six of us, so I had six straws <laughs> flaming. We drank it, and I guess the flame, you know, it, it anointed us in flame. <laughs> because afterward, wow. we went to our friend Owen Scott's house, who was one of the, he was the sixth straw. We went to his house and started jamming, and we came up with a song called Killer Bees. Oh, yeah. And this was, you know, the latest, another disaster song. But we never recorded that. That's something unfinished that Bees to Juice must do at some point. is It's finished Killer Bees. Anyway, we wrote the song and we just that was the sort of the flame that lit the fire of the B fifty twos and we continued on from that night and we used that sort of template of jamming for the whole rest of the you know, our career. We really wrote collectively. For the most part, we wrote everything collectively by jamming and sort of collaging the pieces of the jam together to form a song. Mm. And that was why we have such a quirky, unusual you know, kind of song structure and lyrics that sort of come out of the blue, like Tin Roof Rusted. Yeah. You know, Cindy was just, we were jamming, and she was, Tin Roof Rusted. And it was like, oh, we've got it. that tape stopped, because <laughs> we had some um, instrumental music that Keith and Ricky had done. I mean, this was Keith, of course. who yeah. did cognitive things, mm-hmm. And so he wrote all the instrumentation, and we were jamming, and the recording stopped. And... <laughs> And she was still going. So she was like, no, for us, we had to do it just
1: like that. I love, I love hearing how it evolved. That's so neat. I always wondered how that came out of nowhere. So that was kind of an interesting story about that. I understand the B-52s, just the name, is actually southern slang for sort of the bouffant hairdos you guys had back then. I was wondering if you could tell us more about how you came up with the name and how you came up with your awesome style.
0: I think that uh, it was more our sort of little group. That that was the slang for, you know, I think we sort of invented that slang. Okay. Because uh, the, the hairdo is kind of like the nose cone of a bomber. so right. And we wanted to sort of translate the weapons into wigs, let's say. <laughs> 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 I think the whole idea of the, the wigs came out of our party gear, what we'd wear to parties, and we'd just stick wigs on our heads, and we'd go to the thrift store, the potter's house there, and we'd put wigs on and go crazy, just, you know, as I said, crashing parties. But Keith Strickland was the one that came up with the name, and he had sort of a waking dream of the band, just these women playing keyboards. But for a while, we toyed with the idea of calling ourselves the organizers, because that's what, in his dream, I think, uh, one of the names was. But interesting, some voice came to him that said, who's that? And a voice came and said, that's the b fifty twos And so he suggested that name to us, and it stuck. Later, not much later, we were touring our only tour of Japan, which only consisted of Tokyo and Kyoto. Hmm. The only time we went to Japan was when we had the first album, and we were panicked because we realized, oh my God, this name may not go down well true
1: japan. i didn't think about and, that yes true
0: and we were thinking of other names and we thought oh my god we thought of all these names Salini, children the attack elephants all these other names but <laughs> we just couldn't you know nothing's better than the b-52 so when we went there they actually so got it they made a poster that had like bombs big bombs falling wow. in the sky and said the b-52s <laughs> attacked japan and it was a great audience and we Young people came, or we were young too, but these people came to the audience (laughs) looking just like Cindy and and me. I mean, they had wigs on. We had such a great audience. We never went back to Japan. It's the only country where Cosmic Thing wasn't a hit, and I am convinced that it's because of the name. I'm just thinking how,
1: how time does fly. You know, you've been together for 40 years. You know, not many bands can claim that. What, what's your secret? I mean, you all seem to really get along together.
0: We do. We still make each other laugh. That's the secret. We still we share this crazy, loony sensibility of humor, and we make each other laugh, and we still, it's a very much a family dynamic, so we know what buttons not to push, and we yeah. know to sort of when you kind of let someone just be, and we know each other so well. I think also we haven't pushed us. You know, we haven't pushed ourselves. We haven't been that prolific, but we certainly
1: have toured a lot. See, I think that's incredible and again making each other laugh. I think that's so key. You know, a lot of us can benefit from that. And I don't know why that reminds me yeah, of, of yeah. one of one of my things I was really impressed about too is you've done a lot of collaborations over the years. You know, first you you uh, collaborated with the Ramones, Iggy Pop, and one of my favorites is with R.E.M. You uh, worked with them on their Out of Time album And one of my favorite songs that you did with them Is Shiny Happy People And I was just wondering Tell me more about how that developed
0: Well, we've been friends with them We went to one of their very first concerts in Athens And we were, you know, fan friends And since then uh, And we've always kind of run A kind of parallel trajectory mm-hmm. uh, In our careers mm-hmm. And I remember we were at Radio City And I would go downstairs I, I can't remember if it was our concert for R.E.M. I think we played, and R.E.M. was there, but I was going down the stairs at Radio City, and Michael Stipe was going up the stairs. We passed each other on the stairway, and he said, oh, will you sing on our new record? And I was like, yeah. So they just wow. sent a couple of tracks to me, and they said, do whatever you want. Huh. I went to the studio. We were at Prince's studio. And it was wow. winter time, and, and uh, Michael and I had a snowball fight. It was really fun. <laughs> and they just let me do my thing on it. And Shiny Happy People were just, like, do harmony, do whatever you want, and they just, like, didn't try to control anything. It was nice. just a really great experience, and um, it's one of my favorite songs. I love the video.
1: Oh, I do too. I think it's a great song, great video, great, great message. And speaking of doing your own thing, I mean, you recently, you know, a few years ago, but you came up with your solo album. You mentioned guitars and microphones. Uh, tell us more about that. How did that album develop? Because it's amazing. It had some extremely great reviews, which I understand the music. is fantastic.
0: Well, I wanted to do a solo album since, you know, since I was born. But um, <laughs> being in the B-52s has been pretty much all-encompassing. And I had written a, solo, a whole solo album. In the sort of late, late 90s. And then the B-52s, it just got sidetracked. We started touring again. I just never got it out. I actually toured a little bit, uh, you know, did some of the songs, but I never got it out there. So Mm -hmm. my wife, Monica, uh, we were friends with Sia, and uh, she asked Sia if she could help me just sort of launch this. So I did some writing sessions with Sia and other collaborators, and it was pretty magical because... I didn't have that much confidence. I, I did a project in Japan mm-hmm. uh, called Nina and it was a collaborative project. I was basically in a Japanese band, huh. and we we toured. And the record went to number one. I collaborated with Sakamasan. san Anyway, I was in this Japanese band, and I wrote the songs together with Yuki and Sakama-san and did the <laughs> instrumentation, and Yuki and I did the lyrics and melodies, and it just worked, I and mean, it just worked so well. And I got this confidence, like I can, you know, I can write with other people pretty easily. So when I went on these writing sessions with Sia and various other collaborators, each time it was at a different studio, I drove, you know, put my GPS on, I didn't even know where I was going, I was just (laughs) hoping the GPS was right. Yes. I wound up in Studio City or, you know, all different parts of L.A., (laughs) and then uh, Sia started getting really, really busy, like writing for Beyonce and stuff, so I kind of finished up writing with just myself and some, other, and some of the same collaborators. So that really helped, you know, spark the whole thing. And we got it done. You know, we finished all the writing and, you know, just kind of concentrated on it. Uh, my second record, which is about to come out, I'm finishing it right now. Oh, really? And it's some of the songs I wrote then, but it's I also wrote a whole bunch of new songs. So it's finally finished. It's kind of been waiting in the wings, but I'm about to put that out.
1: Oh, we can't wait. Any idea when that's going to come out?
0: Um, well, I'm hoping, I was hoping to release some, maybe a couple of singles in the fall.
1: Kate, I did want to ask you, uh, oh. you, you mentioned how you and Monica have this awesome resort. You know, we got Kate's Lazy Desert and Kate's Lazy Meadow. Can we talk about those
0: amazing resorts? Well, it wasn't my dream to own a hotel or a <laughs> resort. I had never stayed in one growing up. And we used to see these Peter Pan hotels, and I would see airstreams sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I thought this was so exotic. So I was driving down right near the house here, and I saw this land for sale, and I walked down to the creek. It's got this beautiful, sopice creek, and I saw these hummingbirds, and I saw some goldfinches, and I just was enchanted, and I thought this would be so easy. This would be so much fun. I'll just theme the rooms, and each room can have a different... Kind of name, it would be uh, decorate. So Monica really oversees that whole thing. I really, you know, I do special projects like we need some new furnishing or slip covers or some new artwork. Um, But we really was a very collaborative effort together.
1: That is is so cool. Again, I'm looking at the site we're now Scott uh, for our listeners out there, LazyMeadow.com. You've got you've got you know Kate's Lazy Desert in Landers, California, and, and of course here, Kate's Lazy Meadow in Mount Tremper, New York. So, I just think that's wonderful. the The, the pictures are amazing. It just seems like a great getaway. So I encourage people to do that. Now, now, Kate, in, in addition to your new music coming out,
0: hopefully in the fall, uh, what el- what else is coming up for you? Well, I've been doing live stream charity event. I've done maybe six of them so far, or more, and, you know, try to do things for different charities, mostly related to, you know, COVID. Wonderful. And I'm about to do one that's going to be a voting, it's called Women Take the Stage, mm-hmm. and it's August 26th, it's the anniversary of the 19th Amendment, and it's a voting rights right. uh, event. And Gloria Steinem is going to be in it, and Lily Tomlin, and My friend Allison Palmer from Betty is organizing it. So I'm working on that. um, And in the meantime, I'm learning Logic, which is a recording program that I thought was going to be way too difficult to learn. And it's actually not that hard. (laughs) So uh, I'm learning that. And that's been thrilling. Kate, thank you
1: so much for uh, just just everything, talking about your music and, and just joining me. today. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Online Coffee Break.
1: Wow, I really enjoyed my conversation with Kate today. Hope you did too. If you'd like to learn more about her and the B-52s, just go to their website at theb52s.com. I want to thank Kate for joining us today. I want to thank you for joining us as well. Again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can do us a favor and just rate us, give us a five-star rating, we would certainly appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, if you can comment below, we'd love to hear what your favorite p 52 song is. Uh, we'd appreciate that. If also you could share this episode with a friend, we'd thank you for that as well. Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. We'll see you next time. God bless.